anytime you hear my voice before the theme music, you know we messed up somewhere. This episode was recorded just after the election, as I think will become very obvious based on some of the stuff we say. But we've all gone through some really rough stuff this year, and the whole point of this episode was to be super happy. And what better way to start off 2021? So enjoy! Welcome to Be That Source, your home for aw shucks. I'm Nathan, your happiest host. I'm Andy, your Adam's familyest host. And I'm Pat, and I'm your neurotransmitter sufficient host. I really don't think you guys get what we're doing with the whole like I'm the blank host joke. Like, you guys mess it I up every week. I just say something that whatever pops, I, like, I just go with the nearest adjective to me <laughs> on my desk. Excellent. That is definitely not the joke, but we're going to stick with it because it's funny. Not ha-ha funny, more hmm funny. <laughs> Which well, is clearly the only I reason do, people listen to the podcast in the first place. R- right. I mean, I think introspection is my whole vibe anyway, right? So. Well, so before we jump into the meat and potatoes of the episode, I want to oh, give a quick meat. shout out I miss meat. to to India. Apparently, yes. we have a number of followers in India, and I just wanted to say namaste. Namaste. And we appreciate you. Y'all. We appreciate you and love you. And uh, if there's anything that we can we do. We would love to hear from you on Facebook or something. Yeah. Like, tell us who you are and why you listen to yeah, the show. Like, if there's anything we can do that would make you happy, we would love to do it. Right. I think I'm equal parts elated and confused, and I'm totally about it. It's fine. Even if you're just, like, leaving the podcast on to keep your bird company when you leave the apartment or whatever, it's (laughs) fine. I love it. Thank you so much. And and crackers, tweet, tweet, tweet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Excuse me. Sorry about that. Bless you. Um, Is there something in particular you say when someone coughs? Because I know you say bless you when you sneeze, but I don't think we've ever come up with something that you say when people cough. Oh, I think it's you. Okay, well, fuck you, Andy. Fuck you, Andy. I usually just go with gazimtite. So, anyway, what I was going to say is in the last month, the last four weeks, our India listeners have almost doubled our American listeners. Take that. That's insane. That's why I've always said India is the greatest country on the planet. And then shotguns in the air. That's true. If we uh, if we make it big in India, like, we have to do a tour. Yeah, we'll come visit. I would love that. I'm down. I very much want to eat your food. India is a place that I have always wanted to visit. I've always been fascinated with it as a place of culture <laughs> and a history. And I love it. So I'm, I am down. Plus, the food is the best. Well, and you can get bong. You can get bong just right on the street. Do you guys know what bong is? B-H-A-N-G. Oh, no. It's sort of like a milkshake, like a lassi, but you have uh, you have ground marijuana right in the drink. <laughs> um, and uh, it sounds awesome. I've never tried it. That would bring all my boys to the yard. I'm like 60% sure that when people in India hear us talking about India they're immediately going to stop listening to the podcast. So why don't we <laughs> I'll move on? But I do want to say thank you. And yeah. uh, what have you guys been up to? You know, I've been good. Um, so 
I mean, I'm working really hard at work, but when I get home from work, what I've been playing is Among Us, which has been super fun. Yes. Um, Nathan introduced me to a group of people that kind of play like maybe once, maybe twice a week. Yeah, something and, like that. Um, that's really been a blast. I had uh, you know downloaded it, but had never played it, and I think it's just way better when you play with like people with microphones and like a, a group that you can play with like regularly rather than just doing like with randoms absolutely absolutely we we played with andy too like all three of us had played in a game together and i think it's it's a lot of fun it's like the fun game of learning how to lie effectively to your friends i think (laughs) (laughs) like i like i don't want to get into what among us is too much but if you ever played mafia at like camp or something it's like literally the name of the game in beta was space mafia so that might yeah. give you an idea, but you can find a bajillion different like let's plays uh, on YouTube. And I highly suggest one of the people I like to listen to, his name is five up and he's very good at murdering people in that game. Huh. Um, but yeah, I've been enjoying yeah, that a lot. It, it takes a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, I got my first solo win, which took some doing <laughs> because, uh, when you first start the game, I was really pretty bad at it. So I was very proud. Because it's it's hard to lie about things that you don't know about. I do like the other thing I was telling Sarah about that I don't know it's, if it's, again, funny haha or funny who. But uh, you did choose the policeman outfit. And I believe the first person you ever killed was the black alien. <laughs> Stop. And stop. I don't. You have to stop. It was. It, it was yeah. hard not to acknowledge when it happened. Well, I yeah. wasn't even thinking along those lines. You, I think you, I, you took it. There. Neither do they. I, I tried when when I was the imposter a couple times. I tried to like uh, a little more creative maybe than I should have and <laughs> like tried to overuse like trying to draw someone in on, into a trap and then hop out of a vent to kill them and not actually be able to kill them that that person actually happened to be Nathan who then scampered off yeah and tattled you, you scared me uh, I, I don't want to get too much more into Among Us but the last thing I want to say that I love about it is Great. it's in, an incredibly small file and so you can play it on the worst potato computer in the world. And you can play it on a smartphone with people who are also playing on their computers. So mm-hmm. it's, it's free if you play the cell phone version. It's has like slightly fewer options and it's only $5 if you buy it through Steam and it might be available through other places online. But I, I love that game. And I think it's fun for people who don't necessarily like video games like i could i can see right. all kinds of different people getting into it it's like a very social experience awesome yeah uh how, how have your guys weeks been I, I like the among us thing too that was gonna be mine i'm gonna i'm gonna just jump on pat's beginning of the week and uh leave it at that i really liked it should we talk about that for another 10 minutes sure no <laughs> actually probably not uh uh my week all right so about a month ago now. Wait, wait, wait. I want to so sit down crisscross job. applesauce and listen to the story you're about to tell. Yeah. <laughs> Settle down, kids. We're going to tell you a story here. Yeah, old Grandpa Andy. 
<laughs> All right, I can't do it. So about a month ago, someone at Caitlin's job had tested positive for coronavirus, and so they had to get, like, shut down or whatever. She had to start a quarantine. Then she later tested positive, and her exposure date, like, pushed, like, the whatever date back. Meanwhile, I live with her, obviously. Not obviously, but I live with her. And my job is, you know, my boss is very safe, very, uh, how do you say, cautious. And, you know, he asked me to stay home. So I was home for three weeks, basically. Long story short. Well, long story less long. I was home for three weeks. This week was my first week back. And it was all right. It was... A little stressful and had a lot of catching up to do and stuff, but um, it's getting cold outside and I don't like the cold very much. So there's that, too. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> good, good, good one. Wow. But in that time Biden won, in that time Trump lost, I should say. I'm not really particularly excited for Biden, Biden winning. But I am happy that Trump is gone. So that is a positive that's come about in the last few weeks. Sorry. I just, I wanted to find something positive. Right. I'm going to see if I can find a royalty free version of Casey and the Sunshine's band's, uh, celebrate to put in right here. It won't, uh-huh. it won't be exactly nice. it, but it'll sound kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll evoke. Casey in the sunshine. Right, exactly. Celebrating pretty good times. Let's go. Congratulate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw like the, the idea of <laughs> going. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so we take we take the precious moments that we put at the end of each episode. But oops. The factory accidentally turned this episode into all precious moments. Yay. Oh no! Oh no! Oh man! I hate factory malfunctions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about uh, food regulations in the U.S. We're talking about things that have inspired you throughout the week, or I guess since we've had a little bit longer throughout the. And if I can say real quick, part of it is like I feel like we've all been living like the stressiest year on record. Like I have felt stressed out all year <laughs> long and it culminated on the 3rd of November. And I just want to not talk about that stuff for a little bit. Let's go ahead, have some fun, talk about some happy stuff and we'll, we'll go on from there. I don't know what you're talking about. I've had a fantastic stress. Dear God. Year. Like I've been just chilling out yeah. during this whole pandemic thing. I usually don't leave the house anyway, so now I have an excuse for why I just sit at home Excellent. and play games, which is fantastic. If I could just be the asterisk to this desire to detach from reality here, may I just point out before we go down this rabbit hole that absolutely nothing was solved. No, by you cannot. You absolutely cannot say that. No, nope. that no. Nope. That's, that's a, not a precious any moment. Other episode, any other episode? Any other? Nope. Nope. To, uh, La 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 la. No, um, Andy, the no. Court, the court reporter, would you please cancel? St- no cancel. Would you please strike that non-precious nope. moment from the record? Bailiff, escort this man out of the court. Nope. Caveat complete. Get out of here. There we go. I, I won't. I won't take right. that out of the episode. I will, however, like take it down to the lowest possible volume and play that celebrate music over it <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> so 
All right, so who's first? I can Who be first because I think I, I'll go ahead and start out with one that I think is directly related to what you just said. So my first precious moment of the episode is a German ad campaign where they thank uh, the their national unsung heroes of the coronavirus, the nation's couch potatoes. Uh, <laughs> Germany, uh, the, the article goes, Germany has applauded the country's heroes who stay at home, quote, lazy as raccoons. <laughs> and in the ad, yeah, in the I, ad, the government encouraged citizens to do what is expected, quote, absolutely nothing. And I am feeling this really hard right now. Uh, I am enjoying it quite a bit. So I would like to thank all of the American couch potatoes. I feel like if there was ever any crisis that we were specifically bred and trained to be able to fulfill, it is this one right here. Yeah, I, I actually watched the video when you when you linked that, and it's got like a scientist. I don't know German, so I don't know what he says, but I assume he's talking about like the pandemic and the effects that it's had. And he's like sitting down, and then they cut to a guy like asleep yes. on the couch. It is it is pretty great. So yeah, and he like orders pizza, um, or his like girlfriend brings <laughs> pizza. It's pretty funny. Can I say that I I wish that Americans could get that through their heads that that is the way to go. You, you know, Andy, Andy, I Andy? felt really, really patriotic staying okay, home yes. for three weeks, even though I you, wasn't. You better remember paid. the theme of the episode. I don't want you to hear you getting down <laughs> it's on so Americans hard during it's our precious so moments hard. episode. Well, I here's here's the bright side. Are you guys oh, familiar God. with the Darwin Awards? Yes. Because, you know, uh, one of the effects the of country. natural selection is that people who decide that they're going to ignore all of that, maybe they'll be less represented in future generations. Hey, we so, we can only hope. Um, the problem is that they're not necessarily killing themselves, they're killing nope. others. No, no, no. No, I, no, I no, meant, no, no, no. I meant sunshine <laughs> and puppy dogs, is what I meant to say. Right, uh, does exactly. any, uh, who has our next precious moment? I'm good. I can, I can hop in. So I know we made a rule, no politics. This one is not entirely political, but I posted a picture in the Discord. I can post it again. This is actually a picture that I took. It is a sign out in front of somebody's yard, and it says, uh, you can steal our sign, but you can't steal our vote. I, I ran across this in person and I was struck by it, and I felt like I had to take a picture for it. So somebody had apparently, and probably someone in their neighborhood, probably somebody even just right across the street, stole their sign. Which, like, it's one thing to disagree with somebody, but when you start, like, going onto people's lawns and taking right. signs, like, Screw I mean, that. that's, that's a step beyond civility. But they made a new sign, and they lit it up with a bunch of lights, and uh, I just thought it was like kind of a hopeful, positive message that they put out with that, even despite like you know a pretty negative thing happening. That basically like you know we aren't going to be silenced on this. Like we're we're still going to be able to get our vote out. You can't convince somebody by stealing their sign. 
you know, that they're to shut up about right. their political opinion. Like, that's not how it works in this country. And we have freedom of speech. And I'm mm-hmm. super happy that we have freedom of speech. But I just thought, like, this was a nice little feel-good microcosm. And it's not about, like, which candidate that they supported. It's it's about, you know, that they took a bad situation and they decided to make what they could. That's pretty awesome. I There's one that I saw that basically said on the sign, there was a little attached note that said, like, every time you steal our sign, we'll buy another one from the Biden campaign and donate an additional $35. <laughs> like, I think that's a good way to, to look at it as well. But no, like, we will have to have a, like, an episode on, like, safe spaces and, like, the First Amendment and what, like, what that means and everything like that, because it's not so cut and dry. But, like, it is really cut and dry. Like, you take somebody's sign out of their yard. I don't care if you like their candidate or not. Like, that's, that's messed up. What you do is you, yeah, what you do is you go back to your house and silently judge them while you're, like, snacking in your kitchen or whatever. Right. I what, I mean, I think Pat said it, but, like, what are you, do you really think that you're going to change their mind? Is that, what, how do you think that they're, they're going to go, oh, my God, you know what? The fact that someone would go to the trouble to steal that sign from my yard makes me <laughs> reflect on the policies of bigotry and f***ing... 18th century tariffs and like what right. how do you expect it's, that to go really what do you think is going to happen all right that's that's pretty good all right andy do you have a precious moment you want to share sure sure um so i don't know if you guys have ever been like late to school or late somewhere and you're in a rush to get there and you might like hop a fence or something like that like mm-hmm. toast hanging out of your mouth oh no, sure, sorry yeah. that's that's anime like, still, like, still buckling your pants as you, like, get out of the car, you know. You mean, like, uh, side door. Chris Cross's uh, <laughs> I Missed the Bus song? That's that's something you guys are probably really into, right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Chris Cross is the, well, they're Wiggity Whack. No, they're the opposite of Wiggity Whack. <laughs> they're totally crossed out. They, that, that they are. <laughs> um, anyway, so... In France, apparently, at this one elementary school in France, they kind of had a problem with when kids were running late for school, (laughs) the parents would throw their kids over a fence. (laughs) (laughs) So the school made a sign to stop. Throwing the kids over the fence. For, for our listeners, I think you really need a visual guide along with this. So we'll put a link in the doobly-doo, but um, yeah. you, you have to see this. So here we go. All right. An elementary school in France put up a pair of posters outside their fence with an unusual request for parents. Don't throw late students over the closed gate. I can't say it. Okay. The Triad School in Avignon put up signs outside its gate showing a cartoon of a parent sending a small child airborne to get over the fence. The picture. I'm sorry. The picture just does. You have to look at it, guys. You have to look at this picture. Uh, It is just glorious. Uh, Yeah. So if you're you're listening to this on the way to work, just... You have to look at it later, but 
Man. Oh, wow. That the is, text that is on the sign insane. asked parents not to throw their children and instead <laughs> wait for the gates to be opened again at 10 a.m. or 3 p.m. <laughs> I'm glad this is France because, like, if this happened in America, you'd get people being like, no one can tell me what to do with my kids as they, like, huck them on up on the roof of the school or right. something. Like, right. So what I would have done is I would have put, like, a little mattress down or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, so going to the bad. school, just, like, install, like, trampolines on the other side of that fence or something. <laughs> oh, right. my goodness. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So, let's see. This is a little bit political, but not too bad. Um, back in March, Charmaine McGuffey was fired as a sheriff from Hamilton County, Ohio, which I think is... Pat, didn't you used to live around there? At Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I went to I went to school down there. So Ham- Hamilton County includes Cincinnati, or like you know, a big part of Cincinnati. So. <laughs> nice. Well, so uh, during that time, uh, Charmaine McGuffey, uh, who is an out lesbian, was fired by uh, Jim Neal, um, uh, the sheriff of the county, who is in charge of everything. And so what she did was during the election, uh, she ran against him and she now has taken his job. So she (laughs) is now in charge of uh, Hamilton County, which I find very, very funny. And Mm -hmm. while it is technically political, uh, that guy. (laughs) And she seems like one of the police that we could use in place of the... Types of police that we have in some places. Right. Well, isn't discrimination, like, in employment based on things like gender, sexual orientation, age? Isn't that illegal to do? Well, she did sue him, but I don't believe that lawsuit has been finished yet. What has been finished is his job, which she now has. Yeah, that's... Pretty awesome. That's that's like you know, bow, bow, bow. <laughs> uh, cosmic justice. I will justice. also say that Ohio is an at-will employment state, so mm-hmm. I believe you can fire pretty much anybody for anything. Yes, which is not great. Yeah, price shouldn't be that way. It it has its pros and cons, but this is not the episode to talk about it. Sure. <laughs> if you want to talk about the pros, this is the episode for it. But you can't mention any of the cons, so. Probably not a good way to get the full the, the full story across. Right. But yes, I uh, one of my precious moments of the week is uh, Charmaine McGuffey and uh, the fact that she is now sheriff of her county, and I love it so much. It's very good. Nice. Next. Uh, so this one is uh, more of like a scientific topic. So they've awesome. found, you guys are familiar with the cosmic microwave background radiation from yes. Spain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so why, we, why we used to have, like, white noise on our TVs, the noise and everything. Right. Yes. Right. So scientists have found a, uh, quote-unquote, cold spot. It's a spot in the sky that's around the constellation Eridanus. And what <laughs> it, it is, like... Seven micro kelvins, which is ten to the negative sixth kelvins, colder than the rest of the sky with all the cosmic microwave background radiation, which is 
really unusual because mostly when you observe the sky, it is generally uniform in any direction that you look. And that's one of the principles by which we, you know, we think that the universe is relatively homogenous. And uh, that, like, in informs our thoughts about, like, what was the early universe like? What was the early expansion, uh, the Big Bang and the inflationary period? Like, what were those like? Um, because any direction that we look, you generally find, like, you know, roughly the same amount of stars, roughly the same amount of matter, and roughly the same temperature. And this is putting on my tinfoil that's hat just, now. That's just because we're the center of the universe. Yeah. Well, probably not, but okay. Um, but to put on my tinfoil hat for a second, what they're kind of speculating, and this is extremely speculative, but what they're thinking could be the explanation for this is that if our universe could be thought of as like a bubble floating around in a uh in multiple universes like a multiverse and bumped into another multiverse we could see uh where matter could have been displaced from one universe to another i mean extremely speculative this is this is maybe not the explanation for the cold spot, but it is mm. a possible explanation is that if we live in a multiverse, a universe within a multiverse, that that universe might have bumped into another one. And we could be looking at evidence that indicates that that is the case. That's um, wild. That that's not hard, you know, proof. That's that's just something that could indicate yeah. that. Um, hard, you guys, are, hard, soft, or any other type of proof, but still very cool. Right. Are you guys familiar with the uh, anthropic principle? I so, mean, yes, I am, but we have to say no because of the podcast. Right. Sure. But some of the listeners won't be familiar like I am. Sure. So this right. is just something that I was thinking about because, to be completely honest, it came across my YouTube feed and I was watching about it. But um, the anthropic <laughs> while you're principle, doing research, while I was doing quote unquote research, um, the anthropic principle is the idea that since there are observers for the universe, us, that the the universe has to exist within conditions that would allow for observers to exist. So, like for example, um, you know that we have a planet that has the right states of water that water can evaporate or water can freeze, but it's, it's in the right conditions that like complex life could come about. And that leads to things like, you know, like the Goldilocks zone or like other habitable planets in our galaxy or in our universe. Um, but so the idea is that since we do exist in on our particular planet that happened to have the exact right conditions, that shouldn't be surprising considering that there could be an infinite number of planets or maybe just a very large number of planets where that probability eventually reached certainty that we shouldn't be surprised that that is the place that we wound up because that is the only place we could have wound up. Well, 
if you take that kind of thinking and you extrapolate it to the universe, it could indicate that there are many universes and the only one that has the right uh, laws of physics apply, the only one that has the right conditions that complex life form could exist is the one that we happen to be in, um, that, that would be incredibly surprising to have happened by luck. So if you assume that there are all these different multiverses and that they could have potentially like wildly different rules of physics, then it shouldn't be surprising that we wound up in this one. And I take that as a pretty strong indication that that needed a lot of test runs in order to have happened by chance. So I think that that's a strong indication that there could be multiple universes out there. Again, not proof. Very speculative stuff. Interesting. Well, I have I have two thoughts. First of all, my first thought, uh, just two words, Space Santa. So... <laughs> Sure. Who's to say that the Santa Claus on our planet isn't the Santa Claus on every planet? And wow, he I never needs, thought of it like that. Right. And if he can get around the world on Christmas Eve, what say he can't get around the universe? Hmm. The multiverse? The multiverse. <laughs> the multi-universe. The Spider-verse? So anyway, uh, Space Santa was my first thought. My second thought is, how wild is it that we can tell temperature with a telescope? Right. <laughs> like, what? That's not a, generally a thing you can see, but apparently we figured it out. I keep on thinking about that episode of uh, Futurama where the professor comes up with a way of detecting smells. Yeah, the smelloscope. <laughs> so, like, that seems like that those two things seem like equally bizarre to me. Like, the idea that you could smell something from across the universe is exactly as likely as that you could tell the temperature from across the universe through a telescope. Well, you've wild. kind of embarrassed me here because I actually don't know how distance temperature, like how telescopes for temperature work. So now I have to go look that up. It's, I think it's probably radiothermic, like you're looking at infrared uh wavelengths and that sure. that's telling you the temperature but now i have to look that up so it's precious moments episode don't worry about it dude it's fine yeah, fair enough Every, everything's yeah. everything's happy go lucky hey also i don't think radiothermic well, is a word i think it's thermal imaging but again who could anyway well do you guys have, I have any two thoughts any, about do you have that any thoughts about like if you if we do have multiple multiple universes and there's a copy of you somewhere what you would <laughs> tell them it sounds like Andy has two thoughts on that. <laughs> I have two thoughts on that. Uh, one, am I the good me or the evil me? <laughs> yeah, what's the, what's the mustache situation on that me? I have a mustache mask. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's the only, it's the best mustache I've ever grown. All right, and that's the two things, your mustache mask and uh, the evil twin thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a third uh, thing? Well, just sort of, uh, we'll call it 2.5, which is just to say Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse was a good movie. <laughs> I still need to catch that. I've heard it's phenomenal. but It I is, really, really it is like surprisingly like it. crazily good, and it's on Netflix, so no yeah. need to spend any money. Well, like 8 bucks a month or 11 bucks a month. I forget what it costs nowadays. But 
That is that is very cool. And like I think multiverse me, I'd probably say nice <laughs> You know, something like that. I, I think I would tell alternate universe Pat or many alternate universes Pats, there can only be one. And then we would fight with swords. Oh so so many like heads of Pat cut off all over the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would be glorious. But, like, you'd realize you weren't getting any more powerful, but still, you gotta cut those heads. Gotta chop them. Mm. Yeah, how do you know you're not getting more powerful? Time to make the donuts, only I in this you case, it'd usually be feel it. beheadings. Uh, so, Andy, you, right. you, are you out of uh, precious moments, or you got another one for no, us, Andy? I got another one. It's another school-related one. This time, though, uh, it's not throwing children over fences. <laughs> <laughs> you really led Aww. strong on that one. Right. It's so good. It's so good. <sighs> okay. This one actually is back home in the States, in Indiana, in a classroom where a deer came crashing through the window, and there's a video. Yeah. A deer just came right in through a window, Fort Wayne Community Schools. So what I particularly like about that video is that uh, she says it's 2020, so of course this happened. Yeah. At Blackhawk Middle School, weren't the only ones in the classroom today. Around 8 this morning, a deer jumped through this window. And I think everybody is just like, this is 2020, right? So why wouldn't this happen? <laughs> This is ex yeah, the exact great. reason why I've been saying that we shouldn't have children back in school. Random deer attacks. <laughs> this, is deer. <laughs> this is the reason. No, I, like I want to know if the deer learned anything from his experience. <laughs> right. Was, That's great. Was that biology class, do you think? or There were no kids in the classroom at the time, so... Uh... <laughs> Just, I don't know. Once, well, it's a little bit dark because, like, the like I kind of feel bad for the deer because one of the things they say is, like, there's blood all over the classroom. Like, oh, that's yeah. sad. Yeah, but how but, dumb is that but animal? You saw it, like, and you see the deer running away. It's it, It'll heal up fine. Deer are remarkably resilient. <laughs> like, yeah. there are deer, like, walking around with bruises that, like, no animal, like, wounds that no animal should be able to recover from. Much less survive. Um, okay, yeah, that that is. So I will that's also say, happened. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, but for a while I ran an after-school program at an elementary school, and the the people you work with from the school the most are not. It's not the principal. It's not the office. It's not the teachers. It's the janitors because they still have to clean up after you after you're done taking care of these kids. And I just felt like a pang of sadness for those janitors having to go into that classroom and clean up all the deer blood and stuff. Like, <laughs> I did it. Like, I, they did not sign up for that when they started their day. Hmm. Oh. All right. Mom. Interesting. Anyway, that's, that's my, that's, that's I, number two for me. I got to go on record as saying this is probably my favorite episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so my my next uh, precious moment, I called werewolves, werewolves, werewolves. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the state of Colorado narrowly voted to reintroduce gray wolves back into their ecosystem. They had been like slaughtered, basically completely wiped out uh, about a century ago. 
and they've been making a comeback in other states and have been slowly making their way back into Colorado. And Coloradans have decided that they want to push that along a little bit. Ranchers are decidedly not as excited about the situation, but there's something built into the law where if you lose cattle, you'll be reimbursed for it. But whatever. Uh, the nice thing is, like, wolves are excellent for the environment. For example, they were reintroduced at Yellowstone, um, I think a couple of years ago now. And what they've noticed is, since wolves were reintroduced, uh, they've been eating Yellowstone elk. <laughs> like, they've been eating the elk that had been overpopulating the park that had been decimating different types of vegetation. And now that is not happening anymore. Trees are coming back. Uh, certain types of willows are coming back. Aspen, cottonwood plants are coming back. Beavers are coming back. Like all, like basically, uh, like uh, when I read this article, like uh, Elton John singing Circle of Life so, sort of like slowly came up <laughs> in the background. Like, <laughs> so, because you wouldn't think, like you would think that wolves probably not good for the environment, but they are. They're part of this ecosystem. And, uh, I mean, I think, <laughs> I guess what you could say is elks are remarkably bad for the environment, and they murder elks, so good on them. Yeah. Sure. Um, actually, uh, uh, so this is a cool story, and, um, yeah, I actually wanted to work this into an, an episode about uh, the reason why it matters that farmland in more sparsely populated areas are given a valid degree of representation in Congress and stuff because they need protect because this law is I mean in reintroducing wolves is great for the environment and like is great for most people, but it's very, very bad for those people. You're right. The, they did do something to take it into account, but it's not a lot. And anyway, um, I think it's a really cool story and I'm glad that they did it, but I think it's also an interesting case study of farmland versus urban land. Right. Urban land. Um, right. I, I, I don't have a ton of knowledge to brag about that. I you know know about wolves and stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of reintroducing a, a species that was dwindling in an area and uh, it seems to have like some great like secondary and tertiary right. effects on the ecosystem. I think you need to be really careful whenever you like hunt a population to extinction because that's kind of what has happened in this case is people you know just assumed that the wolves were going to like eat children or like you know be a danger to livestock but you need to be really careful whenever you make a big ecosystem-wide change like that because you don't necessarily predict accurately what's going to happen and now that we're reversing that we're seeing like oh there actually were benefits to this predator that we might not have we might not have predicted. Yeah, absolutely. And if this weren't a Precious Moments episode, I'd mention that it doesn't fix everything, but it is significantly right. better. But it is a Precious Moments episode, so I will not mention that. Right. Right. Fair enough. Cool. All right. Well, cool. I think that puts me up. Well, so this was just a really nice thing that Nathan did 
today, but Nathan brought me vegan donuts, which was extremely nice. And thank you for that. Of and course. They were delicious. They were, uh, we got a, uh, pumpkin spice one and then a like cinnamon glazed one and oh they were just mm, they were beautiful like very very tasty you are very welcome i was happy to do it so shout out to the vegan donut company they are fantastic are they local do they only do cleveland or are they like a nationwide i honestly don't know i think they are local they (laughs) when you walk in the store it certainly looks like they're local um Sure. So it sounds like a local type thing. Well, if you're like if you're Cleveland in the thing. Cleveland area, check out the Vegan Donut Company because this <laughs> is. I'm doing a chef's kiss. You can't see it, but they're mm. yeah. They're open four days a week, four hours a day. <laughs> that seems extremely special. <laughs> right. So, Andy, did you have any of your donuts? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you I you was, weren't as excited about them. I, it sounds like no. They were they were very good. I um I don't think Caitlin really listens to the podcast, so I'll just go ahead and say I I I'm only telling Caitlin that there was one because I <laughs> smashed <laughs> two and a half donuts before I could pump the brakes at all. It was really bad. <laughs> so wait, so what's what's usually in donuts that would keep them? I guess maybe egg or milk or both. Both probably. Um, yeah. so you I wonder what they replaced them with. Pat, you got a, a pumpkin spice one, and Andy, you got like a Buckeye version. Yeah, that one was really rich, though. That one was very, very sweet. That's the <laughs> one I left half of. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I like sweet, and, and it was extremely creamy. Like, there was a bunch of like whipped cream on top. It was, uh, it was really good. And isn't that like I, I, yeah. the frosting was banging? Also, yeah. You also got me a twist and I think a blueberry, right? Yeah. And the blueberry had like a blueberry glaze or like a raspberry glaze on it or something. It was real yeah. good. That was that was super good. Awesome. The twist was was gone in about ten seconds. Hey, Pat. But it definitely made my day. So absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like I woke you up when I called you to let you know it's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm in like a state of like half asleep, just like browsing the internet and in a comfy chair. Fair enough. I didn't sleep a ton. Let's see, it's Sunday today. I didn't sleep a ton on Friday because I went to a, like a very extremely late magic tournament and then worked. But I was kind of in my state of like half consciousness. <laughs> you called. Did you do pretty well at your tournament? Um, no, I I lost, but it was it was a ton of fun. They did a new like multiplayer thing. Usually, you play like. You know, one person on one and do like tournament brackets. This one was a little bit more casual, so we just played like a multiplayer game, huh. which was a blast, and I had a ton of fun. I didn't win, but that was that's fine. Know, it was an extreme amount of fun, regardless. That's awesome. All right, Andy, I think that's back to I, you. Oh yeah, totally. Okay, I'm gonna go international again here, but this time just to Canada. Ooh la la. Specifically, British Columbia. In in British Columbia, there is a woman. She is very old. She is 102 years and 37 days old. Um, and she has been dubbed as, in fact, the world's oldest living 
curling player. She plays yeah. curling at 102 years old. This wow. motherfucker, she is so bad, she can't even die right. I don't know. I don't know how to end that. Um, can't this catch up this with lady her. is too awesome. Fast like, curling. holy crap, this lady is such a bad I have to say, so, like, she, so when I'm not watching, like, so when the Olympics aren't on, specifically the Winter Olympics, I'm like, ugh, curling. Uh, what is that? It's boring. And then as soon as the Olympics come on, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Bullet. Bullet. I forget what they call the putter. <laughs> like a, a puck. The, I don't know what it's called. The curl. But I, love the, I, I love the brushing and like how frantically they brush in front of it. It really makes my day. So she first started curling when she was 24. Um, and apparently when she was 80, she picked it back up. Like, <laughs> as a hobby. What and a she idea. almost had her career sidelined when she was 83 because of carpal tunnel. <laughs> she learned a new, a new technique. So she, at, at 83, she went to the trouble to learn a whole new technique for how to do it so that she could keep doing it. And now here, 20 years later, almost. Well, good she for her. Is, I, I hope I'm alive at that point. And right. I, I think this really speaks to how important it is to keep active. Like, no matter what you do. So, like, even if you retire from your job, you gotta keep active. You gotta stay social. You gotta, like, keep yourself stimulated because, like, un this this is kind of a downer, but when, when people retire, the mortality rate goes way up. Right. And, like, the thing that you have to realize about that is that, uh, you know, you stagnate if you aren't, like, exercising your brain, if you aren't exercising your body. So you just really have to like stay social and keep keep waking up in the morning and having something to do. Like that structure to your life right. is yeah. super important. So well, I think we could all a take a lesson from that. Definitely, but I'll say that I think it's a little bit more than that for her. Uh, apparently, she does not like to lose. Ha! <laughs> That's well, awesome. <laughs> well, I have two things to say about that. Uh, <laughs> the first thing, apparently it's called a rock. They just call it a rock. Oh, wow. Which is kind of cool. Can and, you smell? And secondly, you're never too old to get back into porn. So, <laughs> if you're just looking for something to keep yourself busy. Oh, man. Wow. There you go. Well, that that certainly was precious and a moment. Yes. No one, so, no yeah, one could argue uh, that that was not a moment. Because it definitely was. <laughs> Lola Holmes, Lola Holmes, keep, keep kicking ass, Lola. Awesome, good, keep good for her. Keep, well, if she listens to so keep you go, girl. Bowling in the future. Here's to another. Right. Here's to another hundred and two years and thirty seven days. <laughs> um, oh no! I find an inordinate number of my precious moments are animals are doing better because humans have stopped messing with them <laughs> during COVID. <laughs> and let's go ahead. I want to get this out of the way. Uh, sea turtles have come back in a huge way to Florida beaches because they don't have a, they're not competing with stupid tourists who are trying to like pick them up and kick them and kill them and who are whatever. Um, just in wow, their people way. People are just the worst. Yeah, that is precious. So, uh, sea turtles. I I'm just going to include some. You don't need to know this details, but I'll go ahead and include 
I'll link to the article, uh, and also probably just like a YouTube video of some baby sea turtles just swimming around having a good time. Aww. Uh, cause sea turtles are super cute. It's true. Okay. The babies are especially super cute. Yes, that's also true of wolves. Yeah. I'm much more likely to pet yeah. a baby wolf than I would be to pet a grown wolf. Um, but I probably won't be petting either because I will probably die either way. Well, somebody yeah. had to be the first one to domesticate dogs. There's a really so cool, uh, in the first season of Cosmos, there's a really cool segment uh, that Neil deGrasse Tyson does on the evolution and taming of wolves. That I'll link in the doobly-doo if I can find it. It's very good. Nice. But basically, cool. it, was, it was done over time, and like they they would throw some bones to wolves, and turns out that wolves liked bones, especially when there's a little meat on them. And then... Uh, they would breed the wolves that were, like, the kindliest towards the humans. And so kindness and cuteness ended becoming uh, traits that they would breed into these wolves that eventually became the dogs we know and love today. That's interesting. I was actually, and I don't remember the details of it now, but I, I was just recently, I, I, I observed something regarding uh, the domestication of cats. Oh, yeah. And for some reason, I think I remember that it was actually kind of rather quite sudden. <laughs> well, no, the, that it was the, it was when like farms started with the agricultural revolution. Right. Then there were pests hanging around and cats started eating, hung around to eat. Well, the that was the, that's and the that thing I like, love about cats is we didn't domesticate them. They domesticated us. No. They decided, yeah. <laughs> like, there was food to be had, and they started hanging around, and that's how cats got domesticated. Yeah. The, we we decided to domesticate dogs, and cats were like, you're going to be our friend. Right, exactly. And... You can... You, we won't kill you. Yeah, like, all of that, <laughs> like, goes a long way to uh, sort of explaining both of those animals' personalities yeah. nowadays. Definitely. I One of my favorite um, memes is something that... Uh, there's a tweet that says something like, uh, you know, I think the reason why cats are pissed off all the time is because they're nature's perfect killers, but they're only eight pounds, so we can pick <laughs> them up and kiss them whenever we want. <laughs> like, yeah, that's accurate. Um, so, so one of my favorite things of all of all time is like future pranks. Like things, things that might take like fifty or a hundred years to come to fruition, or you'll be like long gone, but people will find out later. So, in the city of Derry, New Hampshire, they dug up a time capsule. This time capsule was put in there in 1969, and nice. it was supposed to be opened in fifty years. Um, the library staff opened up this time capsule. And it was completely empty. <laughs> and That's this awesome. is not the first time that this has happened. There, there are a couple of instances in history where they've they've cracked open a time capsule and there just was absolutely nothing <laughs> inside. And it just really tickles my funny bone to think that like they went through the 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 effort of like saying like we're setting aside this time capsule, we're gonna bury it in cement. And we're going to put a little plaque that says we're going to open this up in 50 years. And then they, they got us <laughs> from the past. Man, they got God us damn, good. That's great. <laughs> or, or you don't really know what happened. Like, it could have been that somebody broke in and took it. But I, 
I find that to be a little bit unlikely. I like the idea that, like, one of them just, like, farted on the inside and then closed it real quick, hoping <laughs> that, like, oh, man, when they open it up in 50 years. Oh, man. <laughs> you better you better set that one aside for at least 50 years. That one needs Have to you... just stay for a little while. <laughs> um, so, have you heard about the, the mummified Twinkies? No. So, this guy in... Oh, I forget where. I want to say around Chicago. Um, I think in the Midwest, though, somewhere anyway. So he's quarantined, and he is out of desserts, and he's looking for something to eat. And he goes through some, like, boxes and stuff and finds this box of Twinkies that he had bought from back when... The, the fact when Twink, when Hostess was going to go out of business, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people were stocking up on like them. Like years ago. And people stocked up. And he had, he had bought a box of them thinking, whoa, well, Twinkies never go bad. Which is, by the way, false. Right. But whatever. Um, yeah. So, just FYI. Pastries so it, go bad. That's just one of the things yeah. pastries do. But this guy, you know, he's just Joe Schmo, I guess. And he, one of them looks... He he grabs one and it looks fine and he takes a bite in it and he said it tastes like old socks. Hmm. Um, he then goes through the rest of them and like there was it was bad. Some had spots on them. Um, he sent these Twinkies. He called up some like lab and sent them to a lab to analyze and stuff just to run experiments on and see what the hell's going on. Who has the number to this lab? Like, <laughs> right. That's, I mean, so like, random. He, he like looked. I, I don't. I, I think he looked him up, or 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 no. He posted it on Twitter. He posted pictures and stuff on Twitter. And this lab, these people, oh, they became in interested in his who work with funguses right. and stuff. Just happened to see it, and and reached out to him. I think so. Anyway, you want Ted? I'm I'm Brandon. I work in brownies. Hold on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, there there was. One where like the cream had turned the the cream filling had basically turned into some it was fungus it was eaten by fungus. Mm-hmm. There was another one that was pretty much completely like mummified. It was shriveled up and shrunken, and it looked like the you know the mummy skeleton of a Twinkie. Uh, it was yeah pretty pretty gross but kind of cool and apparently like they learned a lot about. Um, about not, I mean, about what we put in these foods and how how they preserve it and what kind of vulnerabilities the preservatives have and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, but also gross. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna stick with gross. So he was fine after taking a bite out of one. He like he didn't suffer uh, yeah, any ill effects. <laughs> he so far has lived long enough to do several interviews. About <laughs> it, so, they yeah. they say if you listen carefully, you can still hear his toilet flush to this day. <laughs> well, you have to think like um, there's there's somebody who found out that like spoiled milk makes cheese or yogurt or I was like to think about leave. I was like to think about the first person who ate a lobster. Like what? Right. There are like <laughs> several so steps. One of those. One of the steps involved is like boiling it alive. Like what? What happened? Well. <laughs> what's what's wrong with that person? <laughs> or or that you if you leave grape juice in a be, in a barrel for long enough that eventually it gets you wasted. I like, that I figured that one. Well, I totally get alcohol you know because all you have to do to get alcohol is be lazy. 
Oh my yeah. God, I believe, <laughs> yeah. I believe that invention sort of invents itself. In fact, you know, um, beer was invented about 8,000 years ago. Like, was one of the first inventions of mankind. Like, we're talking Fertile Crescent Samaria. <laughs> That's when beer was invented. Right. Babylon. No, that doesn't quite predate civilization. There's it's pretty early. No, no, but the earliest civilizations. Very literally, we're talking about ancient Babylonia is where beer was invented. One of the first things that man invented was alcohol. Right. Not there's invented, a, but like... There's video that came out this year of these elephants, and they look dead. They're like laying down in what looks like a field with trees in it. And it turns out it's just an apple orchard that had a bunch of like fermented apples on the ground, and they ate too many and got super drunk. <laughs> so like, <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't think That's figuring great. out alcohol was really really that tricky. No, actually, there's um, there's a lot of evidence that um, other primates, apes, and monkeys that they actually like seek out slightly older fruit that has started to ferment so that they can get buzzed. Nice. Like, that is not a human characteristic at all. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna move on because I want to get some more uh, precious moments in here. Mm-hmm. How about we go... Solar power is now officially the cheapest electricity in history, confirms the IEA, the International Environmental Academy... I don't know if any of those letters are correct. Well, that's awesome. That that makes a lot of sense. If you think about, like, you know, energy coming from the sun, like, most of the energy on Earth already came from the sun in the form of, like, photosynthesis or the heat that gets transferred right. to Earth. So we can, like, but the nice thing is so many of the arguments against it are that it's expensive. And now it's mm-hmm. literally the m- most inexpensive and also the most job-creating electricity out there. So, good goodbye fossil fuels. We we don't need so you anymore. So what surprises me about that is that I, it had to beat out nuclear for that, right? Which nuclear is tremendously efficient. You might be able to say like, well, it makes waste that is really hard to get rid of, and that we wind up putting like underneath mountains because we don't know what to do with. But um, I'm really surprised that it beat nuclear for price. Yep. Um, that's that's tremendous. It's from the... Uh, that's awesome. Just so you know, the IEA is the International Energy Agency, so I feel like I got pretty close. What did you say before? I think electrical, but I can't remember. Yeah, so that's tremendous. There's still a cost of, like, the materials that you need for the solar panels, but that's really... That's pretty small compared to, like, having to mine coal out of the earth yeah absolutely or, I mean, or anything else and and i have two thoughts on that first of all <laughs> um there's also another technology that is like definitely in its infancy right now but they found a way to convert renewable energy into a liquid form like basically create a fuel out of it basically create a fuel wow uh, we can we can go ahead and fact check that but again precious moments Fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. But I don't want to. Anyway, it may be obvious, but I've been trying to cut back on the fact checks this episode because there are so, so many of them. So our doobly-doo is going to be chock full of good stuff this week. I do want to go ahead and answer Pat's question real quick. 
scientists in Sweden have created a liquid that can store heat energy and then release it later when a catalyst is applied. It is crazy. That heat energy could be used to heat homes, or if enough of it was used, it could be used for other electrical needs. It's pretty wild. I'm going to include an article, and in that article there is a pretty awesome video that I will also link to that you can find out more about it. But anyway, I don't want to do a bunch of fact checks, and they can't make me. Anyway, let's get back to the show. Man, that's crazy. What that means is, let's say we wanted to build the world's biggest solar array in Death Valley. You could go ahead and take that energy that you collect there, turn it into a liquid form, and suddenly you can ship it. And that would be incredible. Or, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it could be a solar array in Death Valley or a solar array in the middle of the ocean or Niagara Falls or wherever. You, you, it makes that energy way more transportable. So you use it anywhere. Right. Yeah. Right. It would be probably even easier to put it in a, a wire or a cable and to, you know, trans, transfer the electricity. Yes. But that, that, that loses its efficacy the further you go. So the, the further it had that energy has to travel on that wire the less effective it is. So that's why you want the Hoover Dam to power the area around the Hoover Dam, and you want Niagara Falls to power the area around Niagara Falls, and whatever. Like you want you want the place where the energy is produced to be within, what, like 150 miles of who's using it. Because outside of that area, it gets less efficient. But if you can create renewable energy anywhere on the planet and then transport it, holy crap, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. For sure, right? Well, you're you're going to lose some energy in that transfer as well, but it's but it's an amazing it's an amazing breakthrough if they can turn it into a liquid. I'm just wondering how that works. Well, like you have to take like short I mean, chain uh, like short chain carbon molecules and convert them into something with calories. Sure, like I that's I that, I'll have I to look know, into but, that because that's bizarre. Yeah the the application that has me especially excited is space. Mm-hmm. You know. It, yeah. No, it's you it, can have like solar awesome. arrays, and I think in, like on Mars that are creating fuel. Well, I mean, certainly you could just do a solar array orbiting the f-ing planet and not have a, a, a setup anywhere in theory, and just have a some sort of a shuttle to. Haul gallon jugs of energy. Back yeah. Once we get our Dyson sphere up and running, we're going to be set. Right. What I what I really mean is like having an installation in space that you can then ship energy to, or having a, a ship in space that you don't. You can refuel. You can right. just get fuel to yep. it. We could have a refueling station that is like orbiting Earth, yeah. or orbiting Mars. Right. There's so so that you don't have to worry about like okay we only have enough fuel to get here there or, or where you know only, um, only if we name the first one Deep Space Nine we're right. gonna skip Deep Space One through Eight well they did it with the iPhone uh, like they they went from eight to ten with the iPhone so I think we can like <laughs> that's where we get our nine from well, <laughs> welcome I, to iPhone all, Nine the International <laughs> Space Station <laughs> so. The other thing that my my second thought about that because I do have two thoughts about this um, <laughs> is 
that you know I my my general take especially on technology like that is I'm really excited that that's coming out but it also makes me think what what's you know what's going to come next how are, because once they have that technology then then the refinement and enhancement starts to happen exactly and in the next five to ten years what this technology could turn into could be absolutely completely revolutionary mm-hmm. we don't I mean I don't know but like if you're talking about maybe electric cars that now or like your refueling is just filled up with like electric water from a, a solar <laughs> panel rather than gasoline you know like what could that mean right. in the future and honestly i'm not that excited about this particular technology what i'm excited about is what it's going to lead to because almost always you hear about like by the time you find find out through like a an article like that there's this new technology this new science has been discovered like as something's probably like proven it wrong by the time you read it in a newspaper or whatever mm-hmm. But, like, what is that going to, like, you were saying, Andy, what is that going to lead to? What's the next thing? What What is this, like, a stepping stone to build in? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm well, pretty so excited. We, we know that there's a chemical process that plants can photosynthesize things. Like, that's been around forever. That's older than we are. But right. um, being able to artificially set up the chemicals to be able to do that, like, that blows my mind that we know how to do that now and that we can artificially create those conditions to make that happen. Like that blows my mind. And this is not the first like version of this type of thing that I've heard. I heard about this like five, six years ago, but it was so energy intensive that like financially it made zero sense. But the thing is, as soon as we have that, like my first thought is like, all right, well that, that takes care of global warming. Like buy, okay. <laughs> like, buy fossil fuels. Bye, Felicia. We yeah, don't need well, you anymore. Right. I mean, I so I have a similar reaction when, like, recently, the last couple years, a couple years, um, a lot of car companies have been coming out with all-electric SUVs, and there's now an all-electric Hummer out there. Um, <laughs> Why would you do that? Which, okay. well, sure, the thing fine. is, like, great. That's exciting to me because, and it's, it's not practical now. No one's going right. to get that right now. I mean, a few people will, but it's not practical right now. But they're doing it, and what they're going to do from here is make it more and more practical. They're going to get those batteries to have higher power, carry a charge longer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the infrastructure is slowly coming into place around the country. Mm-hmm. And in five years, the electric SUVs that they're going to be putting out are going to be badass. Right. The, that electric Hummer is going to be no joke. Right. <laughs> and you'll be well, I'm to... a big fan of like multiple iterations. Like you never buy the but... first model of something. You want like right. the third, fourth, fifth model of something because they actually like know what they're doing by then. <laughs> right. So it's it's good that we're starting on electric SUVs now so that maybe in five or ten years we'll have awesome ones. Right. And and what you're saying about like making the context around it like make more sense I, I like that's a big step in the right direction of what we have one this is yeah. one thing i've always loved about tesla is that i think what you need to do now is make them cool you need to make them seem uh, cool they are. so that's why you make an electric car that's faster off the line than any sort of gasoline powered car you you make it like have a higher top speed like the tesla truck you could argue looks 
really dumb, but it is way <laughs> yeah. more power. Like it's more powerful than F one fifty. Like it it will it will. They be did the- a video where it dragged an F one fifty up a mountain. Yeah, like it, it it's That's awesome. so like to the kind of people that you want to adopt this technology eventually, that's going to be important. Right. Yes. Cause sure. like, you don't want them to be able to say like, I don't want one of your weak ass electrical, ve-. like, no, my electrical vehicle will beat the pants off your F-150 buddy. Yeah. And do it to the tune of like a few cents in like electricity. Right. So, so I have some fantastic news for you guys. So you might've run into this already, but I'm going to act like I'm breaking this story. Um, Pfizer says that they have an experimental COVID-19 vaccine that is more than 90% effective. Whoa! What? That news must have just come out. I know. It definitely isn't old. Well, but no, so- that's, it is <laughs> amazing because Fauci has been talking about for a, like almost a year now how he would be happy if we found a vaccine with a 70% efficacy. So 90% is amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Their expectations going into the trials were fifty percent. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, talking about like this disastrous year, like what's what's the number one thing that has happened? And now we have finally some good news to talk about about it. Yeah, I it's mean, not, so it's not hitting the ground running yet because we're not. We're not releasing it to the public, and I think it'll be it'll take what at least like a year. No, to they're do, they're talking uh, about having the trials. They're talking about having a working version of this by the end of the year. Now that would only like it would be tested like with an inch of its life, and it would only be given to frontline workers, so nurses, doctors, things like that. But who oh boy, they they're talking about like the, this is the whole like Operation Warp Speed, which I want to be clear. Donald Trump hasn't shown up to a meeting in five months. Wait, I can't mention his name during precious moments. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they're they're talking about having it out for like the first people by year's end, early next year. Like it is wild how fast they're moving with this. Well, I know you guys can't see this, but I am I am brushing off my hands. We we did it, boys. Yeah. COVID. It's, uh, so <laughs> it's over. No, no. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I mean, I am. I, I, I like the excitement and everything. Here's here's. I'm gonna bring down the party. Just a wait, bit. wait, Andy. Um, there's still I want to be lot clear. This is marks. a precious moments episode. So you better not bring it. You can bring yes. it down to like midway, but I, okay. I will. I will like All as soon right, as I'll you start lightly. becoming a bummer. So, I'm gonna bring up the music on on you. <laughs> it's gonna be like the Oscars. So. There's a lot that we don't know yet. We do not know. Um, first of all, the study, the, the, the trial was on about 40,000 patients. We have no idea. Like that's, that's a pretty good size for a trial, <laughs> but there's still going to be stuff that comes up when we're administering it to 40 million people and 40 and 400 million people. They, you know, the, the, um, we don't know how long the immunity from a vaccine will last. The mm. expectation is somewhere between three months and a year. Yeah, if the flu tells us anything, like maybe hopefully well, a year. The flu is a very is an entirely different family of viruses altogether. Mm. 
the cold virus is the same right, family. And, and cold vaccines usually last about And a the year. good news is pharmacies near you that are going to have to store the drug are going to get fun new freezers that can uh, freeze the drug at, I believe, negative 40 is where... Yeah, so they're definitely not because the, the, that equipment is way too expensive. Um, and so that's going to make distribution really You're starting, really you're starting yeah, to bum me out. Oh, here comes the music, Celsius. Andy. Music... They are going to figure out how to do it, and we have a we have an administration coming into office that I do think is going to lean on the people who actually know how to do these things, rather than just whatever dip Trump thinks. <laughs> so I, they will figure it out. I'm excellent. Sure. In 2021, they say that they can produce 1.3 billion doses. The treatment requires two doses, so cut that in half, so like roughly six and a half, or 650 million people will be able to get vaccinated in 2021. How many of those will even be Americans, we don't know, but that that bodes pretty well, but we're going to have to ship a lot overseas right. as well. Because, you, yeah, you want um, the people taking care of I mean, us to be news. covered first. It's good news. They say that that people like perhaps me or Pat who are working out in the public but not like frontline workers, nurses, and stuff like that, that we would probably be able to get access to a vaccine in mid to late spring, hopefully. Man, um, I could t- I could infect a lot of people accidentally if I you know if I ever got sick. Music. Here comes the music. You know, there's a lot of but but here's the other thing is there's another. There's there's a good hand a good half dozen other vaccines that are pretty far along in their development as well, and each one seems to have show a, a particular kind of um, viability with different groups. So there's one by a company I think called like something like Amerivance or something <laughs> like that that should be great for seniors for elderly. Mm-hmm. The Pfizer one is supposed to be a pretty solid vaccine for people around our mm-hmm. age. Um, you know, under 50. Well, under and we don't know maybe. like what kind of efficacy we're going to get from those vaccines. Maybe one of them will be like my junior high gym coach expected and give us 110%. Hmm. Right. Right. Sure. Maybe, I guess. Probably not, um, but you know. There's also something else really exciting about this Pfizer vaccine, which is that they used a new technique to make it. Oh, how much do you, do you yeah, do you know much about that? So I, I know so that, not much about that at all. Well, you know, are you familiar with the traditional method of making a vaccine? Uh, yeah. So you take um, you take a living virus and you take um, like if there's a way that you can deactivate it or just take its DNA and introduce that in a way that your immune system can get a response to like recognizing those proteins or recognizing that DNA. Yeah, exactly. They they take like a denatured, not a denatured, but a, a dead, I guess, virus and, mm-hmm. and insert it. Well, it's it's the proteins, like you mentioned, that, that your antibodies are looking for. And so what they did with this Pfizer vaccine is this new technique where instead of injecting like dead or deactive virus that's still producing the protein but harmless, instead of doing that, they inject something that basically makes... Uh, something in your body produce that protein mm-hmm. without actually having the virus at all. So they're not even introducing the virus anymore. They can just create the protein, 
proteins, I guess I should say, let your body, your antibodies react to them, learn them, and, and you have now defense without ever, you know how it is when you get like a flu shot where you, you kind of get like a mild flu for a day or two or something like that. That seems to possibly be, I don't want to say a thing of the past exactly, but this is a cool technique that should make developing new vaccines much, much easier and faster. Well, so, something that I really have to say here is that, I mean, I've had some harsh words for Pfizer in the past, and, like, as a huge multinational drug company, you know, there is there are things that I might disagree with them on, but um, I gotta say here, like, they've done a great job, and I'm very grateful to their work that they've put into this, and uh, terrific job, boys. Yeah. Yeah. And and gals and gals and gals. Thank you. Thank and you very much, and gals. non-binary but, people who also work for an evil corporation yes, that has done all, a sure, good thing. All people. Sure, you. Anyway, you got it. People at Pfizer. Pfizer. Wow. Pfizer. Whatever. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Who, it's who, exciting. Who moving on. We are spending so, too much time on these things, guys. All right, so my next one is going to be another animal-related one, but not in the way my other two have been. Because of COVID, because of the lockdown and people stay in their homes, you cannot find a uh, shelter dog or cat, a, a rescue animal, basically anywhere in the country. Animal shelters have that's, been... That's yeah, awesome. Animal shelters have been emptied out because people want companionship and so they're adopting animals at an unprecedented Aww. rate, and it's fantastic. That's adorable. Yes, and there are also uh, more than one state and a few cities have adopted, like, have voted in pet shops can only sell rescue animals instead of full-bred animals. The, the shops, these, like, big shops, you can still be a local breeder. But the big shops can only sell rescue animals moving forward, which is kind of awesome as well. Well, so in other news, I think you, you start seeing people, like, setting traps for raccoons and possums around their house or, like, chasing feral cats with nets because they can't find shelter animals. But that, I mean, that's a really great reason to, uh, you know... As, as long as it's for the right reason that, as, that these shelters... As soon as you that's, said that, I immediately really went cute. to, yes, people have been learning how to cook at home more. <laughs> Got them. Wow. <laughs> that's great. Mm. Do you guys... Uh, can I ask, like... I, I won't include it if your answer is embarrassing, but do you guys have rescue... We don't have any animals here. Do you guys have rescue animals, or uh, did you buy them from a big evil corporation? I got I got my cat from a farm. She was a barn. Cat. Oh, that's perfect. And mm. uh, so so this farm had like outdoor cats. They had a uh, you know the the mom cat had a litter, and they didn't really want to you know raise them all out in the wild or you know they had a bunch that they wanted to get rid of. And so me and my friend um, both like heard about this. It was from like his small t county, his small town that he was from. Uh, like outside of the college town. And so we got a brother and a sister. Oh. And unfortunately, the brother, his name's Figaro, after the uh, cat in Pinocchio, because he was also black and white colored. Um, Figaro, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago. When you have outdoor cats, they're very susceptible to like 
picking up diseases or parasites or you know fleas and ticks. And um, he he caught uh, he caught a a a bug and had to be uh, put down. But um, I still have piano, and she is now. I think I haven't been keeping track of her birthday, but I'm pretty sure she is twelve now. Wow, twelve years young, and um, I'm super grateful for her. She's she's my little adorable baby kitty. For those of you who can't see at home, uh, Pat took that opportunity to pet piano because she's a good girl. And Andy, Andy is desperately looking around for Pablo or one of his other cats whose name I can't remember, and they are nowhere to be found because they do not care about it. <laughs> so for a while, I had I had a roommate, and I wasn't able to keep her exclusively indoors. Um, because he kept letting her out all the time. And I was worried sick about her, not only just because of like cars and things like that, or like predators, but also because, you know, when they're outside, they can catch diseases, they can get ticks, Mm -hmm. they can get all sorts of terrible stuff. So, um, I live alone now. (laughs) Well, if you, if this weren't a precious moments episode, I would definitely tell you that was a roommate, but it is. So I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah, so I I have three cats. Two of them are like street cats that were one is from an was found in an alley, another in a parking lot. Oh. So pa- Pablo was Pablo was found in an alley next to my ho- the house I lived in in college. Um he was just a, a little baby that summer and we took him in. He actually lived with my brother. He was my brother's cat for a long time, but He's just a little bit too affectionate for my brother's taste. And, uh, <laughs> like, that's so, the worst reason. Like, he's he's, he's like way better loving on your brother. He's like, get out of here. Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> that's it's, that's the it worst not, story ever. It was not perfect, but Pablo is perfect in our house. So Aww. when he came to uh, when Caitlin and I moved in together, we took Pablo in to be a big brother to my other cat Rodia or or Raskolnikov who was found in a parking lot of a mustard seed oh, that's fun. Uh, grocery store. Uh, and he's got a little snaggle tooth, but he's, he's a I'm, well. I'm really, and so then, a couple of things. I'm really upset that neither of your street cats are called Desire. Because a street cat named Desire, <laughs> I think, is just right there. You, you got to do it. And secondly, uh, Pablo is a great cat. And, and end of he list. He is so good. He's my baby. Um, and then we have also an actual baby, Lionel, but he is, uh, he was a kitten that was had by someone, you know, someone else's cat that we found on Facebook, basically. We didn't find the cat on okay. Facebook. We found, you know, the, the human. You guys, but you, anyway, you guys all did was... all very good job with sourcing your cat meat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I've well, always um, said that if I got hungry, if I, if I, was in an apocalypse situation, and I ran out, I would eat you. Yeah, I would eat you. It's true. I have a thing. I'm going to post a video in... <laughs> that is... <laughs> that's just a picture. It's not... It is not a video. That is, that that is not, not what I meant to... Something else got uh, <laughs> captured in there. Hold on, hold on. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> Another one of those things where an artist is trying to, like, restore a piece of artwork. <sighs> The, the thing is, these people usually aren't artists. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was the wrong one. All right, here's the video. There, all right, there it is. 
Oh, boy. All right, I feel like I'm not going to really be able to understand the video. Is it in Spanish? Yes, like, look at the name of it. <laughs> Let's do it this way. All right, so in Spain, they were working on restoring this building, and there was a – it's an early 20th century building. It's in Palencia. And it had a car, like a carving on it that featured a woman smiling next to some livestock. <laughs> they tried to restore it and did not do a great job. <laughs> and there's a picture in the doobly doo. But I'm going to read to you some of the various descriptions. Oh no. The result of the restoration has drawn comparisons to the botched, quote, Monkey Christ fresco restoration <laughs> in the town of Borja, as well as comparisons to the faces of a Tuscan raider from Star Wars. And get this one, U.S. President Donald Trump. <laughs> why Spain? Why, why is this always stories coming out of Spain? I don't know. There's a hashtag about it. It's... Hashtag not a uh, hashtag is not a restoration. The group tweeted. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It is so, so bad. I mean, yes, it is terrible. We will definitely like make sure that we get the pictures and the doobly doo. But like, so there will we'll see what comes of this because the the obvious comparison is the restoration in 2012 of I believe it's pronounced. Eche Homo. It's a, it's a painting of Jesus that was restored. Um, I am. Is that the monkey Jesus? Yes. Monkey also, Christ. also known as monkey Jesus. Hold on. I'm putting a picture in the doobly doo. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. And so, but what happened is it's, it's terrible, but people from around the world heard about this. This, this church was like not doing well. And now it has become a tourist attraction because people have to come see this terrible, terrible painting. Yeah. <laughs> I think, oh, no. you know, it's, it's one of those, like, I, I, I'm a big fan of the, like, nailed it, um, memes. Yes. Like the, the Pinterest nailed it, you know, where you try to recreate, like, a, <laughs> and do an awful uh, job. Like, cake there's, and, oh, there's literally a show on Netflix that is people, like, messing yeah. up baked goods called Nailed It. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, it's so but good. no, but the thing is, this happening to this, like, priceless piece of art that couldn't be replaced has essentially saved the church financially because people keep on coming to this church. That wasn't getting any, like, so. Totally. Who, who knows? Like, doesn't. It's now a tourist attraction. Right. So, yay, question mark? <laughs> like, I'm not. Like, I'm fine with it, personally. Yes. It doesn't offend me. Yeah, I mean, it, it it definitely got more attention than Eche Homo was getting in the first <laughs> yes. place. Um. So, I mean, it's terrible, and it's a priceless piece of irreplaceable art, but it's pretty funny. 
<laughs> I just love that face. It's so like instead of like an eye, <laughs> instead of like eyes and a mouth and a nose and like contoured expressions, it's just sort of like an almond shape where <laughs> over here and an almond shape over there, and then a bigger almond shape a little bit lower. <laughs> so, it's just like real bad. It is uh, like Picasso could not have looked at. Let me let me go ahead and read <laughs> read something about <laughs> the Monkey Christ. Because I know that's not what we're talking about necessarily, <laughs> but I want to read this directly uh, from Wikipedia. The authorities in Borgia said they had suspected vandalism at first, but then determined that the alterations had been made <laughs> by an elderly parishioner, Cecilia Jimenez, who was in her 80s. She said on Spanish national television that she started to restore the fresco because she was upset that parts of it had flaked off due to moisture on the church's walls. Jimenez defended herself, saying... She could not understand the uproar because she had worked in broad daylight and tried to salvage the fresco with the approval of the local clergyman. Quote, the priest knew, she told Spanish television, I've never tried to do anything hidden. (laughs) She like, to this day, she thinks she did a good job. (sighs) Excellent. All right, next. Let's do this. Okay, next. Well, so Oregon... In, we, we recently had an election, and one of the things that Oregon passed, I've been talking about for a long time, that we should adopt the Portugal method of decriminalizing uh, like low amounts of personal use and nonviolent drug offenses. And so Oregon has been the first state of the union to decriminalize hard drugs like cocaine and heroin. Now I am not saying let's go to Oregon and start doing hard drugs. But what I'm saying is that treatment of addiction, like a disease as opposed to a criminal offense is something that I have been a big proponent for, for a long time. I'm a big fan of criminal justice reform and, uh, This decriminalization step, I think, is a great first step in the right direction. As long as we're diverting funds, you know, instead of incarcerating people, that we can get them treatment instead. Um, And I think that that's a way better use of resources. Um, With caution and with fingers crossed and also knocking on wood, I'm hoping that this is a good first step in the right direction and that they can take the data from this legal move and then go forward and say, you know, this has had great results in Oregon. Let's talk about doing this in more places. Um, At the same time, five more states, which now brings their total up to 12, have decriminalized and or legalized uh, their marijuana laws, which is also fantastic. This is something that, like, a a massive uh, majority of Americans are in favor of. It's really a minority of people that are left that are in favor of uh, criminalizing marijuana. And so I think, you know, what we're going to see in the up-and-coming years is hopefully more and more states are adopting this. This is a really positive step and i'm i'm very well and the the biden harris campaign specifically said several times that they're in favor of decriminalizing marijuana so yeah because i thought i I thought joe biden was very much against he he was but then he realized he wanted to win (laughs) 
And then I have not heard, yeah. I have not heard, uh, Biden say it at all, but I've heard Harris say it many, many times. We will decriminalize marijuana and Thank we you, will, we will expunge the records of those who have Thank been you, convicted Harris. of marijuana. Well, I'm torn because I do want to congratulate people for changing their mind based on data. I, I kind of wish, I, I, I wish that this is something that you could have gotten right in the first place right. and that you would have just, you know, found the right way. But that's, you know, that's kind of negative and we're doing precious moments. I just want to say, like, if you can change your mind, more power to you. And you know what I think is precious is to think that they did it because of data. Well, <laughs> I should say the only type of data that they made that decision based on was the data that suggested that if they adopted that position, they'd have a better chance of winning. Yes. All right. Well, they, you're being kind of a, a Debbie Downer here. Oh, oh, there's the music. I am, uh, I'm just a realist. <laughs> here's, here's what I will say I, that I want to second that Pat said is like, less than the law in Oregon, I am excited about the data it's going to bring because there are assumptions yeah. that like, oh, there's going to be tyranny and like, oh, the, there's anarchy in the streets and fires and stuff. Like, well, I guess they're like... Conservatives already think that, like, Portland is just one giant, like, dumpster fire already. Um, but it would be nice to get some of this data and figure out, like, what right. is actually going to happen. I want to shy away from saying that it's great. I want to shy away from saying, like, you know, let's let's go to Oregon. Or yeah. that, like, you know, we should be encouraging people to get, like, methamphetamine, cocaine, and heroin, like new people trying it it's addiction is still a terrible disease i think the way that we need to treat it like we we still need to try and be curing people we need to <laughs> right. figure out what's what's causing these addictions and we need to help people escape from that so i'm not excited because you know now we can all go to oregon and do a bunch of drugs <laughs> i'm i'm excited because um you know now we can find a new way to treat it in our society that hopefully actually is effective in a way that incarceration just sure. is not. So I think I mushrooms th was along with that too. I think mushrooms are now legal in Oregon as well. So I've, I have two thoughts about this. Uh, <laughs> the first is, can it be both? I mean, can't, can't it be great? We're going to get this data and we're treating people like the way that they should be treated when they have a drug addiction, which, but also, <laughs> Let's go to Oregon and party. But, yeah, but also Daddy no. wants to fly to Oregon and shoot some H. Like, you know, I'm just saying, like, I no, mean, let's, that's let's not, not the one, but that. <laughs> that's not the one for me. But no, I mean, but look, um, I, in, in seriousness, my second thought, I, I do worry a little bit about when you stick a needle in a balloon of the air that's trying to escape goes to that little pinprick hole and the whole balloon blows up. Mm -hmm. And this is an analogy, hopefully, for what I'm worried about in that I think, you know, I worry about <laughs> all of the people who do just go to Oregon to go get f***ed up and party and how much they may fuck up the data that we would... Yeah, get. but you can... It's, but a, it's is, not a big worry. It's not a big worry, but it's just there in the back. I, I just think that's another data point that you can adjust for. Uh, eventually, yeah. eventually. But I, 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 what I'm worried about <laughs> is that there might be a lot of backswing because if there is sort of an overreaction to of people doing that, that the conservatives may use that as ammunition to drag everything back and keep 
keep this from happening for another 20, 30 years. (laughs) I was, I was going to say if Oregon becomes like the heroin capital of the U S right. I was going to say about your analogy, like Andy has done like magic at parties before. And like, I was wondering if you're getting really upset about actual balloons. Like I had made a sword out of this balloon and then somebody popped it. (laughs) (laughs) What does that have to do with Oregon? Nothing. I I formed formed this balloon in the shape of Oregon. Ooh, oh, you popped it. (laughs) All right, Andy, give us your last precious moment. All right, my last one is another another statue-related thing. The headline, Turkmenistan president erects golden statue of favorite dog breed. (laughs) So the president of Turkmenistan decided to have a big golden statue of a dog built because it's his favorite dog breed it's in the country's capital it which so here's the thing like it sounds kind of silly at first um, <laughs> that's not that event, unusual right it's the alibi dog breed i guess i don't know that, Is that much alibi? About it. um he's written up the alabai i don't know a-l-a-b-a-i i don't it's know it's a dog breed it. you keep with you when you need to like make sure to get suspicion off you for a murder like i have an alibi yeah uh, you, when you need receipts so apparently this the president with whose name I I just cannot pronounce and I feel just try it I think try um, Gerbangli <laughs> Birdie Mook Hamel dog I think this is probably right uh, yeah maybe no, no, no. maybe we'll just cut that <laughs> um, okay so apparently he wrote a book about how much he loves this dog breed it's wild so now he he's written a book and he's built a statue. It's a cool statue. Gerbangli Birdie Mohamedo. Okay. Now, Andy, you say it. Gerbangli Herbidobidow. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I thought it was kind of cool, and I like dogs and cats, and... And the the other thing that it made me think about is, like, you know how, especially recently this year, there's been this huge thing, and it, it's gone international, about tearing down and defacing statues of, of bad people, slaveholders right. and stuff like that. But, like, who's going to tear down a statue of, of a dog? Ain't nobody. <laughs> like, that dog That's did true. not send anybody to a concentration camp. That do- like, you know what I mean? You're You're right. Like what a what a good non controversial thing that's gonna last for a long time. I'm not time. imagining like a German shepherd who like attacked protesters during the <laughs> civil rights era. Like it's up somewhere like God. get rid of it. But that's not a precious moment. Alright. Excellent. Uh Andy, you know how you said at first, like well at first this may seem like a silly statue. I think I'm still in the silly statue category now that you've explained it. But I'm okay with it. It's fine. Yeah, it is. But um, also, <laughs> the thing I was gonna or the 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 thing that made it less silly was just that it's kind of a it's a good way to have a lasting memorial there that is not so vulnerable to <laughs> to public anger. Well, right. it's it's a nationalistic thing. It's like this is our Central Asian Shepherd dog. This is a point of pride of Turkmenistan, of our, you know, Central Asian nation. And, uh, like, this is our contribution to the world. I mean, th- I think uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Like when a, you phrase it like a that, rallying yes. point yes. for them. That's nice. All right, so for my final one, 
Uh, I want to talk about water on the moon, guys. Because there's water on the moon. Like, NASA has confirmed that they found water molecules on the moon, which is exciting for a bunch of reasons, but one of which is we've been talking about for a while creating a permanent settlement on the moon to launch uh, space missions from, and that would make it way easier. Yeah, the gravity of the moon is way smaller, so it's it's much easier to reach escape velocity. And they also don't have as much of an atmosphere. They might have no atmosphere. I, I'll have to get fat, fact-checked on that. But there's much less gas in your way trying to escape the moon. Um, so it's it's a pretty ideal launching spot to get, like, rather than launch from Earth each time, if you can get an intermediary base that you just launch from the moon. Right, and then you can ship your yeah. liquid fuel. And yeah. the, the thing yeah. is, so there's a few different things, but you could build a spaceship in orbit. There's no reason why you need to build it on the surface of the moon. You could build it while it floats in orbit. The other thing that I've heard from totally. like a few different sources, which, again, is in its infancy, but the one thing that almost made my list uh, but didn't quite make my list was uh, the asteroid. I think I'd sent it to you guys. <laughs> An asteroid worth yeah, roughly $10 trillion dollars in value. And, like, <laughs> if, you, if we wanted to mine asteroids that have sort of precious resources on this planet but are, like, abundant in these asteroids, you could go ahead and use gravity to launch them into a stable orbit around our moon and then just go ahead and mine them while they orbit the moon. Well, I, d I don't think it's quite fair to, to put a price, like a dollar value on the asteroid because that is more than the entire economy mm -hmm. of earth. So like, just to say that that is what the, the mm -hmm. dollar amount of this asteroid is, is not really practical it's a it's a it's an extremely valuable resource and that's like you know what you would pay for that amount of resources but if that ever flooded our market then you know those minerals would go right. way down in price but it i mean it's a, an uh, extremely useful concept what was it like 10 trillion dollars i think it was more i thought it was like 10 to the 13th or something i will say if this wasn't a precious moments episode this would be where i brought up the idea that the economy is an artificial construct that we've created and stuff like this would completely destroy it. Sure. But it is a Precious Moments episode, so I'm not going to that say that. That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> that, that's probably better for you, because you would sound really weird saying that. I, I, I said weird mostly because... No, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it is dumb and weird when people say accurate things. <laughs> um, okay, uh, we can we can move on there from there. But I think all like the things that we were talking about in terms of like creating energy on the moon, for example, or like any number of things we want to do, do like this would help immensely. Like having that single yeah. resource of water, like where we need it is amazing. And uh, I thought that was like very exciting. Yeah. To well, and, and it, it opens up possibilities for life. It, it, yeah, very exciting stuff. Okay. So in, the Netherlands, there is a whale tail statue, a sculpture uh. of a whale tail that has actually caught 
a derailed metro train. And just in a completely random happenstance, um, this metro train lost control and was, uh, you know, going to fly off of a bridge. And it had already run through a barricade, which significantly slowed it. But it it hadn't lost all of its speed, and it had just enough speed left to get caught on a statue of a wow. whale. Wow! Is there is there a video and or like a still photo or? There's there's a picture we'll, that I'll, we'll make that sure I'll to get that for people in the doobly do. I do want to be clear though that this is like the tail of an a, a giant aquatic creature and not like somebody's thong sticking out of the back of their pants, right? <laughs> well, I was going to say it's also a whale of a tail because I wouldn't have believed it without oh. the picture. Well, but, I'm looking um, at this picture now and that's pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um and like who could have planned this? Like people people say all the time that like art is not useful, that um you know, our resources are better spent elsewhere and that <laughs> art has never done anything for anybody. And uh, I just want to yeah, say I disagree. Wrong. I don't know how many people say yeah. that, but <laughs> I like think for the point of your story, I won't go along with it. Uh that's awesome. That is very cool. <laughs> all right, Andy, do you want to finish us up with our our last precious moment? Yeah, sure. And and there's some good ones, but I think <laughs> I'm, I'm still looking at the statue face. <laughs> <laughs> just don't throw your child at it. Oh no. <laughs> so, um, so in Japan, they have started using a new innovative, and you, you this, I, I, I chose this one because you brought up earlier, uh, that in Colorado they were reintroducing wolves to the environment to help with the ecology. In Japan, they're doing sort of something, let's call it parallel. They're using robot wolves to protect towns from bears. And when you say um, robot wolf, we're talking about essentially like a Halloween attraction that you would yes. see in a haunted house. Like a really bad Jurassic Park type, like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that? Animatronics? Yeah, animatronics. Um... And apparently it's working. Um, there's a little video in the doobly doo here. Um, but apparently they scare off the bears. Yeah, it, so it, it flashes lights and it emits sound, but it also looks like a a a wolf enough to you know imitate it that a that a bear would think it's a wolf, um, and it moves. Yeah, like to to a dumb bear, it looks like a wolf. But in, like you said, like enough like a wolf. Like I don't think they're thinking, "Oh no, yeah. a wolf! I should run." They're thinking, "Crap, it's a monster! You <laughs> <laughs> run away!" Like it doesn't matter if it looks like a wolf or a like, like it's got it's right. got glowing red eyes and it blinks, flashing blue lights and stuff. Like it's yeah. kind of terrifying. Especially if you were like on acid or something, and and then there is a bear in the video who who sees this wolf and then breaks <laughs> right. immediately off. I, <laughs> yeah, he just he gets just out of right there. The here's what I'm concerned with that I'll tell you about: Oregonian bears who get high on acid and shit and then wander into Oregon crop fields <laughs> with these are going to be messed up. 
That's true. We're gonna That's need true. like therapy oh, for goodness. the bears. Ther- Ther- therapy. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh. Well, I think that's as good a spot as any. And we don't do a precious moments this episode because, oops, the factory has made all precious moments out of this episode. Whoa! Precious moments. Well, I, I don't really know how to end an episode of all precious moments when we normally end our episodes with precious moments. I'll tell you how. Think of the preciousest moment, preciousest, the most precious moment of all time. You can leave the preciousest <laughs> in there, though. That was pretty great. Um, the, the most precious moment for a long, long time will be eating lunch on January 20th and laughing at watching Donald Trump being dragged mm, out of the White House. That would be good. I would nice. definitely, like, do pay-per-view to watch him, like, leave the White House. Yes. <laughs> can I, I want to get that on DVD. I want to get it on VHS. Right. I, I, want get, like, I want to get like ESPN commentators <laughs> to talk about like, oh no, WWE. We need WWE to cover this. We need The Rock to come and fucking hoist Donald Trump over his sh- <laughs> massive shoulder and walk him out. I love The Rock. Well, he makes me happy. I think, yes, the, the most precious moment of this year is clearly Donald Trump isn't president anymore or won't be very, very soon. And I'm very, very happy about that. There's a lot of conflicting emotions, but this is a precious moments episode, so we're not going to talk about those. And and the nation, the nation is healed and unified. I'm going to focus Thank on God. the fact that he's voted out. Absolutely. Well, everything's back to normal. Everything's, I mean, everything's geez. great again. In fact, I actually, I pulled out a 2015 <laughs> calendar and threw it up on the wall. Just Well, did you guys see that like hilarious uh, gap that uh, Trump made the other day where he said, I really need to come up with a catchphrase? Oh, I heard that he said that he hopes everyone has something fun to think about this week. All right. Well, love you. Bye. Bye. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba.